Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the wild, where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. All right, let's give it up for the worship team. Great job, guys. Great job. Hey, if I haven't met you, my name's Jason. I get to be the pastor here at Church in the Wild. I am excited to begin this new series today called Noel. And um, uh, before we jump into looking at this, we have a couple of announcements. Uh, December 11th, we do every... Every December, we do something called the Heart for the House Offering. It's right around the second week in December. This, this week, uh, we are doing this for merchandise. And so what we're doing is we have one offering a year that goes to things outside of our normal budget. And uh, our church loves to create content. We love to create merchandise. We love to do those things, but it's not always easy. And so uh, we're looking uh, to do an offering on December 11th called the Heart for the House Offering. Uh, you give in your normal offering. All that you do is you just type in on Tidely or on citw.faith, or if you prefer to give in, in person, you write Heart for the House Offering so that we know that that's going towards uh, sweaters, hats, t-shirts, all of those cool things that cooler people than me design. Um, Base Camp is the third Sunday of December, and Ascent is also this uh, this month. In December 18th, uh, Ascent is right here in the auditorium at 1015. Those of you who volunteer or are interested in volunteering. Speaking of volunteering, uh, we are looking for some people to help us greet. If you like people, that's like the only rule, okay? You just got to like people, right? If you don't like people, probably not the job for you. But if you enjoy people and you don't mind saying hi and you like coffee and donuts, speak to to the service in the Connect Center. Um, and then today, um, we are selling this right here. This is our Advent devotional. It's called The Coming of a King. You will hear part, uh, you will read part of the sermon in here this week. And what it is, is the as we go through the Advent season, there is guided prayers in here that will help those who, maybe you're not comfortable praying around other people, right? So there's guided prayers that date back all the way to the early church, some of them. And they're just ways of expressing praise and prayer through uh, this. There's a summary of the sermons that we'll be preaching throughout this series. Every day there is a scripture passage, some alternative readings. Like if you're like, you know what? Thanks for giving me two verses, but I want to read 20. We put those in there for you as well. There's prayer. Then there's a hymn. If you like Christmas carols, if you like some of the old classic Christmas carols, uh, I think day one is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's a cool opportunity to learn new songs. Maybe you have children. Maybe you have friends. Maybe you like to sing together. That's a really cool opportunity. Then there's something I'm really excited about. Uh, this is something that we put together called The Wild Reflection. And what it is, is it starts with walking. What is the passage I'm walking through saying? Impact, how does it impact my life? What can I learn and take away from this? And then what is God calling me to dwell on from this? And so that is each day in this devotional. And what we ask is that uh, something that I've been doing for a little while now is just each day writing down the answer to those four questions in my daily journals. And it helps me grow as a believer a lot. So these are for sale. Uh, they are $20. They are out in the Connect Center. Uh, we'll give you a deal today. You can get two for 40 if you really want. And so um, 
Christmas Eve service, you're welcome. Christmas Eve service, so, so generous. Uh, it's Saturday, December 24th, and it is at 5 p.m. We're doing one big service this year. Uh, it's going to be a, a big service. We got kids coming in here. We got kids singing. We got all kinds of different fun things happening that day. We're, you're going to want to be here Saturday, December 24th. If you show up on Christmas Day, you will show up alone because I won't be here, okay? So don't show up on Christmas Day because we'll all be eating way too much food, all right? And then on January 1st, uh, there is also an online-only service that week. So uh, two straight online-only, and then we'll jump right back into it. Uh, hey, do you, um, do you like Christmas presents? Anybody? One of you, two of you. Okay, all right. I'm <laughs> like, oh, well, we're done. Sermon's done. No one likes Christmas presents. Um, do you, uh, let, let me ask this. When do you open your Christmas presents. Does anybody in here open at least one on Christmas Eve? Is there anybody? Okay, okay. We had friends that that's all they did. Christmas Eve opened all their presents. Uh, what, about, what about Christmas morning before anything else? Anybody in here? A couple of you? Okay. How about this? Christmas morning after breakfast. Anybody else? Okay, okay. Uh, some of you do not open Christmas presents. You're like, you, just, you just don't believe the spirit of Christmas. You're the reason that, that Will Ferrell's sleigh could not fly, all right? Um, how about this? You open them just at some point on Christmas Day. Anybody? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So some of you, no presents. Cool. All right. Um, we right now, we, we open them on Christmas morning. That's our thing. Christmas morning, we let Isla just tear into them. She comes downstairs, and um, we call her, our daughter Hurricane Isla for a reason. And one of the reasons we call her Hurricane Isla is Christmas morning. That girl destroys everything. It's awesome to watch. It's so fun, honestly. What we've let her start doing recently is we get like the Target uh, little book, and she circles things that she wants in there. And then the other thing we'll do is when we go into Target or into, you know, all the other stores, wherever we go, uh, we will let her take pictures with the things that she's hoping for um, that will come to Christmas. And she, it's super fun for me to see how excited she gets as we get closer and closer to Christmas. It's fun to see her excitement grow each and every day. It reminded me when I was a kid, my parents would not let us open presents, but on Christmas Eve, we could feel them, like we could shake them, and then on Christmas morning, we ate breakfast, and then we opened all of our presents, right? And that buildup was so fun. It was like a part of, man, Christmas is coming, and you know, I would count, like, because I'm the youngest, so I always had thought everyone was against me, you know, it's part of being the youngest, and so I would count, like, I got two presents, but my brother's got four. What's going on with that? And then the next morning, there'd be three. Oh, I got three. I'm, I'm catching up. You know, like, and we count them all. We sneak out at night and try to open them. My parents always knew every time. Like, we would so carefully tape them back. My dad would leave, like, a hair underneath. You know, like, ah, the hair was... Like, he always knew every time that we tried to sneak our presents. But imagine with me for just a moment. That it's Christmas Eve. You go to the Christmas Eve service... It's awesome. It's epic. It's a good time. You read the Advent devotional that you purchased and your family reads it together. You pray, you sing together. It's wonderful. There's like this spirit of peace. Maybe uh, Nat King Cole is singing. Anybody, any, any Nat King Cole fans? Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe it's Michael Buble. He's singing. 
You got like a record playing, all the lights are up, it's beautiful, it's peaceful, you fall asleep. The next morning you wake up excited, you come out, there's no tree, there's no food, there's no presents, there's no lights, there's no decorations, it's all gone. And you talk to the people in your family like, hey, what's the deal? And they're like, oh, don't worry, Christmas will come someday. Okay, so the next day you wake up, what's the deal, what's the deal? It'll come someday. You would be really excited for the next Christmas because you would think that everything was held for a year, but that Christmas comes around nothing. And another Christmas, and another Christmas. And imagine, if you will, the children of Israel, after reading Malachi chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4 ends like this. This is the end of the Old Testament. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. Imagine if you're the children of Israel and you read the words of the prophet Malachi and he says, Someday Elijah's coming. And he's going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children back to their fathers. And it's going to be this incredible, amazing thing. And for 400 years, you hear nothing else. For 400 years, the children of Israel waited for Elijah. Imagine how they felt. Hey, is, it, is he coming? Is he going to deliver us? Because now we're prisoners to the Greeks and we were prisoners to the Babylonians and, and then the Greeks lost and so now we're prisoners to the Romans. Is he coming? Nah, nothing. Maybe we'll ask God, nothing. So now imagine how Zechariah feels in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, if you like to circle thing in your Bible, I would circle that because that's really interesting. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And that seems to us like, man, that's like random. That's seemingly like, oh, that's just a, a chance that that happened. But with God, there's no randomness. With God, every step is ordered by the Lord. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and he was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." This is incredible what's happening. 
The children of Israel have literally waited for their Savior. They've waited for this Elijah to come to prophesy and tell them the Savior's coming. For 400 years, they've been in silence, and they've been in slavery, and they've been waiting, and they've been waiting, and they've been waiting, and all of a sudden, a man named Zechariah walks into a temple, and he goes to, to light the incense, and he goes to do the things that he's instructed to do, and the angel comes to him and says, hey, you're going to have a son, and that son is going to be the one who prepares the way of the Lord. So what did Zechariah do in the meantime? I think it's a good question because I think it's something that we all need to ask ourselves daily. What do we do when God is silent? Because sometimes in the middle of worship, God roars out to us and we're excited and we're pumped and things are good. And sometimes we don't hear what he's saying to us. And sometimes he's silent for a long time. And sometimes we're asking God, why aren't you answering me? And he's silent. And he's silent. He's silent. So what do you do? Well, you prepare. You prepare. See, God provides, but sometimes he first has to prepare us. A lot of times we ask God, it's, we're single, right? Like, like, we're single. I used to pray, God, give me the woman of my dreams. And, and God was like, you ain't even the man of her reality. Why would I give her to you? You got to grow up. Like a lot of times we pray for the job, but we're not ready to handle the job. We pray for the house and we're not ready to be in there. We pray for God to move. We pray, hey, God, give me this blessing. And we are not ready to handle the blessing. God has to prepare us, and Zechariah spent all of this time preparing even when God was silent. So how do we then prepare? How do you prepare in silence? How do you prepare when you're like, God, give me a child, and you hear nothing for years? How do you prepare when you say, God, deliver us, and you hear nothing for centuries? Well, Zechariah prepared by being present by being present. See, it says that he was serving when his division was on duty. There is something to the ministry of just being present. Not only in church, right? Like God uses the people who are present, but not only in church, but also like in dating and in marriage, in love, in friendship, all these different things. God uses the people who are there when he calls on them. God calls and equips and uses the people who are present and available. My dad um, used to, my dad was like an old school Baptist preacher and he would go to, he'd go to these uh, tent revivals where they have sawdust. And I don't, I don't know why we had sawdust, but we'd have sawdust. And we'd like, I'm sure there was, there was some reason for it, but we'd have sawdust down this aisle and we'd walk down there and, and man, it would get real and every now and then, like this old school Baptist pastor would say, availability is the best ability. He had like this really raspy voice. And I don't know if I'd say it's the best one, but it's a great one. See, there was a lot of other priests. There's 24 divisions of priests. But God used Zechariah because he was there when he was supposed to be there. There is a ministry to presence Guys, I, I struggle with this. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in being a provider and a protector that I don't even listen to the words my wife is saying because I struggle being present. But a lot of times, a happy marriage just comes from presence. And I'm not talking about under the tree. 
I'm talking about just being able to hear what your wife is trying to tell you. It's a ministry. It's a gift. It's a skill to not just listen while you're watching the game, but to hear what she's trying to say. Because guys, we're, we're really good, we think, at, at listening while we're doing this, but they want us to hear us. And that requires being present. A lot of times, God uses present people. God doesn't always use the most talented, but He doesn't always use the least talented. He uses the people who are present. He uses the people who are standing in front of Him saying, God, whatever it is that you want from me in this moment, I will do. Zechariah was exactly where he was supposed to be. And he knew how to do this because it, the Bible is very interesting. It says that he came from the order of Abijah. This is super interesting. See, David, a long time ago, set up the order of Abijah to prepare the things for the temple that he was not allowed to build. These, uh, these people who are from the order of Abijah are not directly de descended from Aaron like the other priests are, but David wanted to give them a job. So David was this mighty warrior who fought all these battles, and he was always in battle. He was always fighting. So God said to him, you can't build me a temple because you're a warrior, but your son will be able to. So David did something super interesting. He prepared everything for the temple. He literally gave all of these different things towards a temple that someday would be built, and he gave the duty of watching over all of those supplies to the priests from the order of Abijah. So Zechariah had been learning how to be prepared for a long time. And what they learned in that moment is, hey, let's learn how to be present, not only with our time, but also with our people. Let's learn how to live in the present moment. Be present. Learn to love your present. Learn to love your present time. We all were much better and would have made the NBA if we didn't blow out our knees in high school, but we can't live there anymore. We all will have a better day coming, but we don't live there yet. So let's learn to love the season of life that we're in. Whatever season of life you're in is the best season of life for you because it's the one God's blessed you with today. That's the season. So enjoy it. Hey, if you're single, be single and love it because that's the season God has you in. If you're married and you got 2.7 million kids running everywhere and three dogs and they're all biting each other, learn to love that season because someday you'll be an empty nester and wish for that season. And if you're an empty nester, learn to love the empty nest because it's peaceful. Enjoy the time that you're in right now. Don't waste your life looking back at how it used to be or looking ahead to what you think it might be. Learn to love today, but also learn to love the people you have today. Learn to love the ones that God's put around you. Not everyone who starts with you will stay with you. And sometimes God removes people because they can't help you where you are right now. And sometimes it's an uncomfortable, difficult, hard, brutal thing in life, but sometimes God takes some people away and he moves them over here or he moves them there or he does this or he moves us or whatever it is. Learn to love those who you have. Well, I don't have kids. Love your spouse. 
Love your dog. Love your cat if, you, if it's possible. I don't know if it's possible to love a cat. Love whoever you have. Man, I got kids and they're noisy and they're messy. Love them. Last night, <laughs> last night we were, we were uh, trying to get ready for bed and Sam was like, Isla, you got to go to bed. And she was like, well, first I got to go check my, I'm going to try to say it, headquarters. And she built like this little tent and she calls that her headquarters right now. It is like the most cute thing in the world, just the way, the way she said headquarters. And I love it. Listen, the moment will come where she'll be a teenager and she won't be able to stand me. But last night she had a bad dream and she came in and got in bed and hugged me as close as she could possibly hug me. And I got to learn to just embrace that moment for everything that it is. Because that moment's coming where she's going to be like, Dad, you're kind of old and annoying. You tell corny dad jokes. It's not funny. None of my friends want to come over because you're weird. You know, like that moment's coming. And I got to learn to just soak it in. Teenagers, your parents are annoying. That's what they're parents. That's how it goes when you're a teenager. Love them. Someday you'll wish. I used to box with my dad at night. Like, we would, get, we would get gloves, and we'd just start boxing. And now I look at it, and there's nights where I'm like, dude, I would give anything to be able to just be at my parents' house boxing with my dad. Love your present time. This helps you to prepare. But secondly, pray. When you're, when you're waiting on God in silence, and you want to be prepared for whatever it is, the answer that's coming, Pray. The angel says, Zechariah, your prayers are answered. Well, I've already prayed. Keep praying. Well, he's not answering. So keep praying. He says, no, change your prayer. See, prayer isn't just about getting what you want. We, we have this idea in America that God is Santa Claus, and if we pray nicely and sit on his lap and do one worship song, he's going to give us whatever we want. Well, I tried church three weeks in a row, and he didn't answer me. It's not how it always works. Prayer really is making us more aware of His presence, and the more aware of His presence we are, like we sang earlier, the more we want Him, the more we want Him, the more we become willing to listen to Him in what He wants for us, and suddenly when we, all that we want is Him, our prayer requests begin to change. So pray. But number three, be purposed. Zechariah was purposed. It takes purpose to be present. It takes purpose to be prepared. It takes purpose to pray. You got you to choose to pray. You got to pray on purpose sometimes. It takes purpose to do the small things when no one is watching. It takes purpose to walk into a temple and light incense when no one cares that you're in there doing it. It takes purpose to do what's right. It takes purpose to work in silence and in the shadows. And sometimes myself, I will begin to think, well, that's just a small thing. This is just a small role. This is just a small conversation. But God used Zechariah because he was, he was purposed in the small things. God knew he could trust Zechariah to prepare a son who would prepare the way for Jesus because he had been prepared to go in and light a candle. See, God knows if I can trust you to light a candle, I can trust you to show people that Jesus is the light of the world. And a lot of times in our culture, we don't want to light the candle. And we wonder why God's not answering us the way that he wants. God blesses the grinders, the ones who are just like, hey, I'm going to do this. You know, in the Bible, we don't find God blessing someone who he called them to do something and they quit on him. 
We don't find him blessing them. But we find a lot of people in the Bible who are doing some not so good things and God still blesses them because they're doing things that he called them to do. And lastly, be patient. Be patient. God doesn't work like McDonald's. That's why we know it's going to be good. That's not an assembly line. It's not, it's not a drive-through. God doesn't work that way. There's a song uh, written by Elevation Worship, and it says this, if it's not good, he's not done. We've got to learn to be patient. Worship team, you guys can come up here. God works at his own speed. Sometimes God has to move entire kingdoms around so that the king of kings can be born. Sometimes God has to rebuild it, rebuild a temple so that you can stand in it the moment that he shows up. Sometimes God has to fulfill genealogies so that David could make a spot for priests out of the order of Abijah to serve, and he needed one of them to be in the temple because his wife was a descendant of Aaron. Sometimes God holds off so that Elizabeth and Mary can be pregnant at the same time and encourage each other through the process. Sometimes God needs us to wait to find the guy who won't leave us when everybody else will. And sometimes God says, you know what, you got to wait, Mary, for for your Joseph, because if you find just another dude, he's going to bounce as soon as there's a problem. So you got to wait. You got to be patient. You got to be prepared. You got to hold on. Sometimes God has to fill up a hotel so that he can set up a stable. Sometimes that hotel has to fill up takes time for everyone to get their room so that God can get you out into a stable so that you can fulfill ancient prophecies. Sometimes your restaurant has to be full. You got to have a wait so that you can bump into the person so that you can invite them to church and God can change their life. Sometimes God's not giving you that thing you're asking for because he knows you can't handle it yet. And so he's waiting so that somebody else can get it at the same time so the two of you can encourage each other through that process. Sometimes God doesn't give you that person because he knows, man, if I give that person to you now, you won't be ready for them. Sometimes God gives you a donkey instead of a racehorse so the shepherds can have time to be on their hill watching their sheep on that silent holy night. We just got to be patient. And look, I get it. It's hard. It's not easy to be patient. It's not easy to be patient when God is silent and you're asking God, what are you doing? Why aren't you answering me? But just keep going. Keep being present. Keep praying. Keep being purposeful. And be patient. God's moving kingdoms around and he's preparing angels He's moving. Think about what God had to do to get you here today. It took countless miracles. It's the weekend after Thanksgiving. Everyone's tired and grumpy. You had to get your coffee. You had to get it from somebody who made it the right way. And you had to have 50 miracles to get you here safely so that you wouldn't get in an accident so you could sit in the service and worship. And God had to move all of those mountains. And sometimes those mountains move right when we say... And sometimes we pray and that mountain stays right there. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. But an angel comes to Zechariah, he's up in years, and God says, I'm giving you that child you've prayed for. By the way, 
400 years ago, there was a prophecy from a man named Malachi who said, there's a man named Elijah, he's coming. Your child will have the spirit of Elijah and Jesus will come from him. One last story and I'm through. One of my favorite things at Christmas when we were growing up was that we would, we would go outside, we would go down on our lake, we'd shovel it all off and we would ice skate and we would just skate all night through the Christmas holiday on our lake. And it was a blast. It was so fun. But one of my favorite things about it was that anytime I got cold, anytime I got tired, anytime that my brother knocked me down, which was like 150 times a night, anytime my older sister knocked me down, which was like 300 times a night, I could look up in the house and all the lights were on in the house. And I knew that in that house, there was hot chocolate, there was warm clothes, there was Christmas music as Andy Williams playing for us. We had all this stuff inside. There was presents under the tree and I could see that light. And it would just encourage me so much. It was one of my favorite things about being down in the dark was seeing the light. God doesn't always give us the light right away. We don't always see the answer immediately. But someday we will. Someday we will know why God said no. Sometime, someday we will know why God was silent. Someday we will know why God said yes to that thing. Someday we will see the light. And we'll see it maybe in a few days, maybe in a few months. Maybe this Christmas season is where everything changes for you. Maybe someday you step foot in eternity and God says, hey, I didn't do this because of this and I was protecting you from this and this and this. I didn't have the boy ask you out because that boy was actually a loser and he didn't deserve you. And I need you to see that. Someday, we'll see it. So I'm gonna ask you all to stand to your feet right now with me. Maybe, maybe you're not a Jesus Christ. Maybe there's never been a moment in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And right now is the moment where you need to make that decision to trust him with your eternity. He's an eternal God. He's not just a God of today. He's a God of eternity. And today might be the moment where you say to him, I surrender everything to you. I trust you more than I trust myself. If you can give Zechariah all of his hopes and his dreams, then I can trust you with my soul and my life. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Maybe right now you're, you're just not present. You're thinking about past people, past things, past situations, past problems, past drama. And right now might be the moment where you say, God, help me to learn to be present. Help me to love my present time and my people. If that's you right now, would you just raise your hand? God, help me to be present. My hand's raised. God, help me to be present. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hands. Thank you. Maybe it's God, help me to pray. God, I need to learn how to have that prayer life that Zechariah had, where I just regularly communicate with him. Would you raise your hand? God, help me to pray. God, help me to pray. He sees your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, help me to be living a life of purpose. God, I need to live on purpose. Maybe, maybe right now is that moment where you say, you know what? I've been kind of wandering. It's time for me to find a direction and a purpose in this life. God, show me my purpose. Would you raise your hand right now? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe the last one, 
We live in a Starbucks culture where we get the drink we want in 30 seconds. Maybe God right now is calling some of you to patience. God, I need to learn to be patient and wait on you. Would you raise your hand? Help me to be patient. Right now, you can lower your hands. Maybe it's, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you raise your hand? I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, help us to learn to be patient while you're silent. Help us to prepare while you're silent. Help us to pray. Help us, Lord, to be people who are purpose-driven. Help us to be people who are serving you. God, help us to be the ones who you can trust with the small things. Help us to be patient. You are working. You love us. You're for us. Help us to see that in Jesus' name. Amen.